Hey, good morning. And I do mean that. I think if you're a baseball fan, then this is a good morning. It's, uh, what is it, Friday, September 25th. This is Matt Trueblood picking up this podcast that I've been off of for months. I had started to plan to record one on a daily basis way back in spring training. Remember when that was a thing? Uh, and then suddenly my house was full of other people because they couldn't go anywhere else. <laughs> and by the time that even began to change, I was out of the habit. But today is a great occasion on which to return to it. And so I'm going to. Um, I said it's a good morning because we are set up for the final three days of the regular season. And really, it's four because it's very hard to imagine a scenario in which the Cardinals aren't playing a doubleheader against the Tigers on Monday. We'll talk more about that. But we're down to the final weekend of the regular season, and so many things are still up in the air. It is wild. Uh, the baseball gods, I think, have smiled on the league this year and given us uh, a whole lot to watch this this final sort of festival weekend which is more than we deserve because I I know others have come around and reconsidered their previous positions that the season shouldn't have been played and feel like in light of the way it's played out and the success the league has had at containing the spread of the disease within its ranks and preventing major outbreaks or a cancellation of the season that it was the right I the right decision to play I still don't think that and we can have a whole separate conversation and probably will on another day maybe after the playoffs are over about why I don't think the season should have been played at all I still feel that way but it was played and for whatever reason the universe has rewarded its playing and the sort of mangled bizarre last second implementation of the expanded playoffs with this absolute chaos uh, that lies before us now. I think a lot of people maybe won't be super into it because there are a lot of mediocre teams fighting for the last few spots in the National League. The American League field is essentially set, although there's still a bunch of seating rearrangement that's going to happen, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and maybe that's not super exciting, but to me it is because the matchups are going to be what's are going to be everything we want to talk about as soon as the games are over on Sunday until they start again on Tuesday and on Wednesday. Um, we're going to want to talk about how these teams match up and whether they were a given team was lucky to end up facing another in in the wild card round or if they caught exactly the wrong matchup. And those matchups are all going to be determined, almost all of them are going to be determined over these last few days. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how and why that is. Uh, what we have, we'll start in the American League because, again, things are more settled there. The Rays are all but locked into the top spot. Uh, they have an extraordinarily strong record within their division, which will be the tiebreaker if they finish tied with either the Twins or I, I think it's really only the Twins that they could be tied with at this point, uh, or the Athletics for the top spot. So 
pencil in, but in heavy pencil, the Rays as your number one seed in the American League. Behind that are the A's who have clinched the American League West, but right now also the Twins who have a good chance if they win more than they lose this weekend against the Reds of sliding ahead of the A's and being the number two seed. Uh, and that's where the, the certainties sort of come to a firm stop. Uh, the Yankees seem pretty well locked in to the fifth spot. The fifth seed, they will be visiting whoever holds the fourth seed. That'll be the second place finisher in the American League Central. Um, however, the Yankees have to play the Marlins this weekend and the Marlins, we'll talk about this more, are playing for their playoff lives all weekend. The Blue Jays, meanwhile, are only two games behind the Yankees and play the Orioles this weekend. It would take all three games breaking in the right direction because the Blue Jays are two games back and the Yankees on the absurd third tiebreaker uh, and even that stretched out to its limit uh, the Yankees do hold the tiebreaker over the Blue Jays even if the Blue Jays sweep Baltimore this weekend so the Yankees would have to lose all three to Miami and Baltimore win all three against or Toronto win all three against Baltimore but that's not wholly unimaginable since the Yankees are locked into a spot uh, in the playoffs will be setting their rotation a bit. And again, the Marlins will be frantically playing just to make it as far as the wild card round. And whereas I think the Orioles, you know, uh, Mike Elias run team, they're not going to throw games this final weekend, but it, it wouldn't be a shocker if they soft pedaled things, you know, they're not going to be pushing any starters. They're probably going to rest a regular or two, um, and they can slide up the draft order by losing games this weekend against Toronto. So if things should pan out that way, uh, Toronto would take the fifth spot and the Yankees would slide down to the eighth seed. Again, that's unlikely. So you can pencil in heavy pencil, Rays and Blue Jays as the 1-8 matchup. And the Yankees visiting the second place finisher in the American League Central while the Astros are still not 100% safe from a total crash, but the Angels would have to sweep the Dodgers while the Rangers win these next three against Houston in order for uh, Anaheim to slip past Houston and into the playoffs. So we'll say, for the sake of argument, that the Astros are locked into the sixth seed, the Yankees the fifth, Toronto the eighth, Tampa the first, in Minnesota this weekend, the Twins will play the Reds, who, like the Marlins, uh, need to win. They need to win pretty much every time they take the field in order to control their destiny. Now, because of the number of other teams who are in the same situation, and again, we'll flip to the National League side in a minute, that doesn't actually mean they need to win every time they take the field, but the Reds are going to be fighting tooth and nail. We'll probably see Trevor Bauer pitching on short rest for the second time in a row on Sunday uh, to keep the Red season alive, to push them into the playoffs. So the Twins can't expect to win easily this weekend. 
but should they win two out of three, they will almost certainly be the uh, American League Central champions and the uh, number two seed in the American League. Things get stickier if they lose two out of three to the Reds because in Chicago, the White Sox are playing the Cubs. Both teams need to win that series, frankly, in order to feel secure in winning their division. We'll get back to the Cubs and the whole NL Central muddle in a moment. But the White Sox trail the Twins by a game at this point. Now the White Sox have the tiebreaker against the Twins. But say the Twins lost two out of three and the White Sox won two out of three to tie them this this weekend. The Indians are hosting the god-awful Pirates in Cleveland for their final three games of the season. If Cleveland were to sweep the Pirates while the Twins are losing two out of three to the Reds and the White Sox are winning two out of three from the Cubs, the three teams would finish in a three-team tie for the American League Central. And in the case of a three-team tie, the Twins would be champions, the Indians would be the second-place seed in the American League Central, and the White Sox would become the wild-card team, slipping all the way to the seventh seed. I believe in that case, more than likely, yeah, the A's are playing the Mariners this weekend. So even though they won't have their foot all the way down on the pedal, the Mariners have now been eliminated. You figure it's likely Oakland wins at least one this weekend. So uh, they would probably become the the number two seed. The Twins would be the three, the Indians the four, and the White Sox the seven. But if the Indians fail to sweep the Pirates and those other two outcomes still happen, and the Twins and White Sox are the only two who tie for the division title, the White Sox would be the champions because they beat the Twins in their head-to-head matchups this year. Again, you're probably talking about the White Sox third. Now the Twins slip to fourth and have to host the Yankees at Target Field. It's still still more complicated than that but this is a lot already right I mean the difference if you're a Twins fan life is really good as long as you take care of business this weekend against the Reds and in these first two games of the series the Twins will send out their games two and three starters for the upcoming wildcard round in Jose Barrios and Michael Pineda so they're in pretty good shape to do that and if they do the White Sox would have to sweep the Cubs in order to catch them. The Indians couldn't catch them, so that three-team scenario evaporates, or that three, three-way tie scenario evaporates. But it's un- also just unlikely the White Sox are going to sweep the Cubs, right? So, uh, <laughs> although maybe not that unlikely. Again, we'll come back to it. So if the Twins win two out of three, they are all but certain to be the... Central Division champions and probably the number two seed, at which point they're hosting, in all likelihood, Cleveland. But because Cleveland just swept the White Sox this week, they're only a game back. They're only one game back of Chicago. And again, they have the tiebreaker over Chicago, and they play the Pirates this weekend. So if the White Sox create any opening... Cleveland could well catch them, and it could end up being 
the White Sox at the Twins as the 2-7 in the wild card round. That would be a, a clash of the Titans for a first round matchup. And also, it'd be a pretty rough first round matchup for the for the Twins, who just got done losing 3-4 to Chicago. Now that was in Chicago, but you know, home field advantage is probably muted somewhat at this point um, because of the lack of fans in the stands. So I'm not sure the Twins necessarily want that matchup, but it is looming as an ever more real possibility. Otherwise, it'll, it would then be Minnesota against Cleveland at Target Field, which bizarrely, I think the Twins would probably feel more comfortable with, even though, you know, they'd have to face off against Shane Bieber in game one. That's a tall task. They've held their own pretty well against Bieber up to now. The really interesting scenario, I think, for for any of the central teams, but it's the Twins who have the easiest path to, to doing this, would be if they end up winning the division but falling to the three seed and they play the Astros uh, in the wild card round because Houston still very dangerous you, you know the guys on that side and, and some of the guys you don't know frankly their pitching staff is deeper than you think uh, with Framber Valdez with Christian Javier they pose a number of different kinds of threats um, but I think that's the team that you'd most like to tumble into a matchup with, especially because then, as the three seed, you would face the winner of, in all likelihood, Oakland against Cleveland or Oakland against Chicago, maybe. And that's probably a more desirable matchup than, you know, than being the, uh, I guess, in, in the other scenario, you would be facing the winner of Oakland versus Houston. So you probably get the same opponents, but in the opposite sequence. And I think you would rather face the A's in a longer series where their kind of lack of rotation depth will come more into play as opposed to facing them in a best of three where they're probably going to throw their bullpen at you pretty hard um, in addition to maybe getting a dazzling performance from Jesus Lazardo. So that's the American League slate, and it's interesting enough all by itself but a lot of it is just sort of playing into the again utter chaos of the national league side so let's go back to what's happening in minnesota and in chicago the reds are among a group of teams that's clustered within essentially a game of each other but here's the thing even with we're just at the final weekend a lot of these teams haven't played exactly the same number of games so you can't quite say that. Then the Brewers and the Phillies are starting to be in real trouble. Uh, they're flagging and and will need big weekends. And the Phillies are playing the Rays, so that's really tough. The Brewers still have four more in their five-game series in St. Louis. But they just lost the game where their ace, Corbin Burns, was pitching. Uh, they'll pitch Brandon Woodruff this weekend still. And they they did not last night have to use Devin Williams or Josh Hader. So they have a pitching plan that can get them through these four games in three days uh, and get them a couple of wins, but they're going to need at least a couple of wins. They probably need to win three of these final four to push their way back into the playoff picture. So things are getting desperate for Milwaukee, 
they're getting desperate for Philadelphia. But if you're Miami, San Francisco, Cincinnati, St. Louis, uh, it's still wide open. It, not only could you still theoretically fall out of playoff position to Philadelphia or Milwaukee if they have good weekends, especially, you know, I say it's going to be tough sledding for the Phillies playing the Rays, but the Rays aren't motivated, to, you know, to do a whole lot. <laughs> Honestly, like I said, they've got a very firm hold on the number one seed. They're going to be focused mostly on staying healthy this weekend. So should the Phillies beat them, beat them two out of three, sweep them even, uh, or should the Brewers turn things on and charge up and catch the Cardinals, then chaos really reigns. But even if it's just those four teams, San Francisco, Cincinnati, St. Louis, and Miami, the way they organize themselves, and they could even pull in Chicago, uh, is going to be fascinating. We know the Dodgers are locked into the number one seed. At this point, the Braves are all but locked in. We're going to say for our purposes that they're locked into the two, and the Padres are locked in at number four. The only spot that's still left open, the only question lingering, is who will win the National League Central and host the 3-6 matchup in the wildcard round. That question isn't supposed to still be open at this point. The Cubs look to be sort of waltzing to a division title a week ago, just like their crosstown counterparts looked that way. Um, uh, I think it was almost a week ago, it may have been Saturday, that both teams' magic numbers to win the division stood at seven. And I said, hey, last one, there's a rotten egg. And at this point, a rotten egg is just about the right metaphor for both of them. Uh, the White Sox, as we've documented, are, if anything, further from winning the division now than they were then. The Cubs have a magic number of three, but that is a hard magic number. Uh, it is not a case where, you know, in the past, if you didn't win your division outright, you would play a tiebreaker, a game 163, to determine the division champion, even if the loser would then become the wild card. That's the situation the Cubs ended up backing into at the end of 2018, when the Brewers then beat them in game 163, forced them into the wild card game against the Rockies, who, which they lost. But at any rate, uh, that's kind of the way things are angling this year for the Cubs, too. Only there would be no game 163. Uh, now they could, or a game 61, as it were. Uh, now, if it came down to they and the Cardinals are in essentially a dead heat or close enough, after Sunday's play, the Cardinals would have to go play their doubleheader against the Pirates to make up the Pirates, the Tigers, to make up the final two games of their slate from when their schedule had a hole blown in it by COVID. But, uh, if the Cubs don't get to that magic number, if they, if the Cardinals play these four games against Milwaukee and those two in Detroit and they have two or fewer losses and the Cubs don't win against the White Sox, the Cardinals will win the division. The Cardinals will, in any scenario in which they catch the Cubs, have the tiebreaker. So Chicago has to get to three this weekend to hold that three seed. 
the good news for them is that essentially they are they're essentially guaranteed to fall no further than the fifth seed they would not um because of where they line up they're not going to be falling past the fifth seed into the sixth or you know even into the wild card bracket the reds and the brewers well the brewers actually the cubs have clinched being a a better record than the brewers so they can't fall that far the reds next loss or the cubs next win either one and given that the reds are playing in minnesota all weekend it feels like we'll get at least one of those outcomes in the three-day span uh that would clinch that the cubs finish above the reds and because neither miami nor philadelphia has covered themselves in glory so far this week uh it's pretty clear that the second place finisher in the national league east will finish below the second place finisher in the nl central so the worst case scenario for chicago is to be visiting the padres in the wild card round but that's a pretty tough scenario now it's not as tough as it looked even a few days ago because mike clevenger is hurt and we don't know how hurt uh, but he's dealing with biceps tendonitis he went for an mri they're going to announce something more about his status later today but in the meantime we know we all but know that he's not going to be pitching in the wild card round that doesn't mean that you're in the clear because the padres offense is very very dangerous uh, became famously dangerous earlier this year and they have considerable pitching depth and really clevenger wasn't even their ace denilson lamette uh, despite being mostly a two-pitch guy is their ace and almost a cy young contender so the padres are no slouch but they might be the team that you want to match up with at this moment that that team that you're catching at just the right time. Some of their hitters, Fernando Tatis Jr., somewhat famously, but in slightly less noticeable ways, guys like Trent Grisham, Jake Cronenworth, they've all come back to the pack just a little bit over the last few weeks, um, maybe coming back to their level. Uh, and you combine that with the absence of Clevenger, some of the other injuries that have thinned the Padres' pitching depth at they still have plenty. I wasn't lying when I said that a few moments ago, but uh, it's not quite what it was. They might be the team that you do want to match up with in that first round. The bad news being that if you get past them, you're probably staring at the Dodgers in the division series. But then again, the Dodgers will have to survive a best of three against someone. And that could well be a team like the Reds, who pose a lot of prop the Reds or the Brewers who each pose a lot of different problems in a best of three. If they can throw their best starters and relievers at you, um, then it's just a matter of does some crack appear in your pitching and defense game plan on your side and they push across enough runs and, and eke something out. But anyway, let's say the Cubs do hang on to the division despite the way they're playing, and it is miserable. Their offense is completely kaput. This is the third year in a row that at the end of the season, they've just been utterly unable to produce anything at the plate. I have no idea how to fix it. Uh, Given where the team is financially and where the league is financially, 
it sure seems like a major challenge to go out and actively overhaul this roster. But that seems to be what's needed. Because three years in a row, when it's really counted, the Cubs' bats have just been dead on arrival. And uh, it is a demoralizing, frustrating, stupid (laughs) way to lose and have your season come to an end. But that is the, the trajectory the Cubs are on. Anyway, let's say they hold on to the division. Then it comes down to this mangle of St. Louis, Miami, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Milwaukee. And the Brewers and Cardinals still have four left in St. Louis, including a doubleheader today. Let's say the Brewers win three of those four. And let's say the Giants, who also have four games left, uh, lose three of their four against San Diego. That would bring Milwaukee up to a tie with San Francisco. San Francisco would still have the tiebreaker over Milwaukee, but they wouldn't necessarily have other tiebreakers against the Phillies or Marlins. So they could edge out the Brewers, but they'd need to do it in a a tiebreaker that doesn't include either of those teams in the East. The Phillies, I mentioned, are playing the Rays, the Marlins, the Yankees. So it's not a great situation for those two teams to rack up wins this weekend. Probably there's only going to be one entrant from the NL East other than the Braves, who are locked in at number two. So that team will get the number six seed. Seven and eight are going to go to some combination of the Cardinals, Reds, Brewers, and Giants. In all likelihood. I'm not saying that for sure, but that's that's the writing that's on the wall at this moment. The Reds and Brewers, I already talked about how they're a really tough matchup for the Dodgers. Not because of any specific Dodger weaknesses, but they're just tough teams to beat in a best of three when they know their season's on the line and they're not holding anything back. Uh, San Francisco, they're, in theory, never that tough to beat. They don't have a pitching staff to throw at you that way. Or, you know, they can't deploy a certain set of relievers or starters in unusual ways and shut you down. But their offense is hard to shut down. Surprising though that is, it's a bunch of guys that you either haven't heard of or had heard of and then sort of allowed yourself to forget, like Mike Yastrzemski, Donovan Solano, uh, even the veterans. You know, the Giants lost yesterday against the Rockies. It was a tough loss for their playoff hopes, although far from crippling just because of the mediocrity against whom the against which they're competing. You know, the Brewers losing the same day gives them a lot of wiggle room, but they did lose. But before that happened, Brandon Belt had a game-tying home run in the eighth inning. Brandon Belt's having a great year. Brandon Crawford is having a great year. These guys who it looked like were past, not only past their primes, but kind of past their real utility if the Giants were going to be a good team, are back to doing what they've been known to do in the past. And if they can keep that up, then this team is dangerous in a, 
you know, in October, if, if they even get that far, or, um, in the wild card round, at least even without having a top flight pitching staff. Now I think still, you know, the top two seeds are the, uh, Dodgers and the Braves. Those offenses will maul you. They are, ooh, they are fantastic and they are deep and they have insane power. And I just think the Giants would get their heads knocked in. But it could at least get interesting. So either way, I think either of those teams would like to see the Giants much more than the Reds or the Brewers. I don't know. I think almost anyone will be fine with facing the Cardinals if it gets to that point. Because if the Cardinals make it at all, it's it's so hard to imagine a scenario in which their final two games on the schedule, which technically aren't yet rescheduled, are irrelevant to seeding. If that turns out to be the case, they won't have to play them. But I feel quite sure that it, it will be relevant to seeding in some way or another. Either they'll still be uh, on the cusp of being able to catch the Cubs and make themselves Central Division champions, or it'll be necessary to establish whether they're the second place uh, finisher in the National League Central or a wild card team. And so, either way, uh, they'll probably have to go play in Detroit on Monday. That'll mean that they're playing, you know, just from here to there, six games in four days. And yes, two of them or four of those six will be shortened to seven innings, but it's still, you're just exhausting them. (laughs) You're just forcing them to use up every bullet they have in their chamber. And last night is a good example. They beat the Brewers four to two, huge win for them. I mean, obviously at, at this point, every single game is huge. But it was huge. It certainly sets the stage for this weekend, keeps the door open to them winning the Central. Only to do it, they had to use, I think, Alex Reyes threw 30 pitches, Genesis Cabrera threw 15 pitches. Uh, Maybe it wasn't Genesis Cabrera. Giovanni Gallegos had to pitch, and Andrew Miller had to pitch. All of these guys in the game before a doubleheader, when, you know, teams don't like using pitchers on back-to-back days anymore at all when they can avoid it certainly you don't want to use guys who have already had to rack up some some uh back-to-backs in the past several uh, weeks because the cardinals have been playing tons and tons and tons of back-to-back games uh guys like andrew miller who is 37 guys like gallegos who has already dealt with a i think it was a groin injury just about two weeks ago guys like Reyes who have a significant injury history and these are the really vital cogs in their bullpen you know they don't win games at this point if they can't rely on those guys to get the key outs to shut it down so St. Louis goes into this stretch of what will be six games in four days if they make it as far as the playoffs needing you know already kind of being having their bullpen stretched thin um so I think any team would be happy to meet the Cardinals in the first round. And that's likely to be, uh, like I said, it's likely that they would be facing the Padres. If they aren't, it'll probably be because they won the Central Division Championship. 
Maybe probably is too strong. But it sure doesn't feel like the Cubs are about to go in and do a lot of damage on the south side this weekend. So if the Cardinals can win three out of four against the Brewers, they would win that championship. Um, And at that point, you know, they would be the number three seed and they'd be taking on, in all likelihood, Miami. You know, again, I think most the teams at the top of the bracket would be happy to be facing the Cardinals. That would feel like a relatively light first round. But I've got to favor the Cardinals, even in their diminished, depleted, tired state over the Marlins, who are full of interesting young pieces. And I think it's great some of the ways that they've been able to draw better performances out of guys like um, Lewis Brinson and Jorge Alfaro this year. Uh, Their young pitching is very interesting, you know, even though it's not yet actually uh, consistent for the most part. And certainly they lack bullpen depth. So I think the Cardinals are going to have a really good chance of getting out of the first round if they end up winning the Central and facing the Marlins. If they don't, then they become an inviting team for the Padres, the Braves, or the Dodgers to face. Because uh, I think they're just going to be too tired to, to put up much against a team that's armed with superior talent to them at that point. And again, I, I guess we can talk just a hair more about the Brewers and the Reds. It's a big lift to get the Brewers into the playoffs at this point. But if you do it, they're so scary because in a best of three, you're going to get Burns and you're going to get Woodruff. Burns pitched last night. Woodruff will pitch today. They will be lined up for the first two games of any best of three. And then this team has, you know, Eric Yardley and Brent Suter, a couple of really good just middle relievers who can eat up multiple innings. Freddie Peralta can do the same thing. His numbers are really impressive this year. And then Devin Williams, the best reliever in baseball, bar none, 95 that he can command to all quadrants at this point and that screwball it's not a changeup; it's a screwball and it's a hell of a pitch Williams and Josh Hader to support that those guys at the front end of the starting rotation the offense is not great but Christian Yelich is slightly more rounded into form than he was a, a few weeks ago Jacob Nottingham is coming around sort of establishing himself as the starting catcher on this team and he's been hitting which the weird thing with Nottingham is when he was a prospect several years ago, the idea was here's a bat-first catcher who might have to move out from behind the plate. Then that profile almost got flipped in the last year or two. He really made some impressive strides as a defensive catcher, but now the bat was questionable and maybe he's a backup. Well, he's hitting like a starter right now, and he's that kind of defender. So Nottingham adds an element of danger to that lineup. Uh, for as long as he can keep this going, you know, and it doesn't take that much because the Brewers are likely to keep whoever they face in this short series pretty well in check offensively. The Reds offense is more ostensibly explosive than the Brewers, right? Um, I think there are many fewer just holes in that lineup, but they are depending on guys who have been cold for a lot of this season. Guys like Nicholas Castellanos, who started blazing hot but has been really bad lately. Uh, guys like Eugenio Suarez and Joey Votto, who 
seem to be past their offensive primes. They're asking them to snap out of it right away, right? You just you have to hope that when the lights come on for the playoffs, those guys are ready to hit in a way that they haven't been over the last few weeks. Uh, if they can do it, then great, because, you know, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Trevor Brow- Bauer, and the Reds' bullpen is it's un you know un um unappreciated to an extent it's certainly not as sexy as Milwaukee's or as deep as Atlanta's or the Dodgers the Dodgers bullpen is both deep and sexy uh but you know the Reds Amir Garrett people kind of know because the personality is big but he's also just been a really good relief pitcher for a few years now ever since transitioning into that role out of a starter job and into relief on a full-time basis he's good at it Michael Lorenzen is getting comfortable in his skin in his role and in his new um, new approach to pitching after a really disastrous start to the year he's been terrific for them Uh, so he could eat up some innings Rysel Iglesias is always an adventure sort of a thrill ride old school type closer but he gets the job done so the reds have a path the brewers have a path the giants and marlins and cardinals to me are the teams that are kind of soft but i expect that they'll make the playoffs and that it'll be just one of cincinnati and milwaukee that crawls in i'm still expecting the cubs to eke out the national league central title But at this point, that's so up in the air. And if it doesn't happen, then the Cardinals get a little more interesting because they'll have a best of three against the Miami team that I think they're just better than. And they may be able to recover themselves, catch a breath, line up their rotation for a division series that would then more than likely be against the Braves. Um, It's going to be fascinating these next few days and the few days after that. And, uh, the fact that the fact that this much chaos is happening and that it's going to be a really interesting final weekend does not suggest, of course, that uh, expanding the playoffs to 16 teams is a good idea for the long-term future. We'll do a separate podcast about that. Um, but I hope people kind of keep an open mind because we're going to get expanded playoffs. I don't think that's really a, an open question at this point. The question is what they'll look like, and I hope they're smaller than this for a 162 or whatever the long season settles into being as we kind of bounce back. Um, But expanded playoffs aren't necessarily a terrible idea. I don't prefer that, uh, but that doesn't mean that it it isn't going to consistently deliver entertainment value just like this. And some of this is the stuff that's been missing from baseball in the past few years. You know, we talk about it as they added too many wild card slots and took away drama. And that's true in a certain way. The very earned drama of September with only great teams fighting each other for a very few playoff spots. That's gone and probably gone forever, and I miss it a bit. Uh, But this scramble among teams that maybe just aren't good and have no place, but also maybe are good or have a chance to be good, but weren't able to get their feet under them for a while or had their feet under them and now have been fighting to just stay above water 
but if they get there, maybe maybe that's enough to give them a breath of fresh air and they turn back into the team they were in the first half. Those kinds of things could happen, and baseball hasn't really allowed for them in for most of its history because the long season will grind those teams into dust and only leave the deep and the the thoroughly competent standing. That's cool. Again, to me, that's cool. To a lot of us who are hardcore baseball people, that's cool. But I think opening the playoffs up to more teams will give us more final weeks and weekends that look like this, where there are a lot of kind of interesting teams, even if they're deeply flawed, um, playing a whole lot of meaningful games and keeping bigger fan bases more engaged, people scoreboard watching and making a real festival out of baseball as it winds down uh, rather than having people flipping away from baseball and focusing on the NFL as soon as it starts every September. That was long. I didn't mean to go that long on any of this. Uh, But I'll talk to you again soon.